state of care. Hello and welcome to the State of Care podcast episode three. This show is presented to you by myself, Leonard Tanner. Hello and myself, Afa Asefa. Today we have a very special guest, Nana Marford. He has been kind enough to come and share his experience with us today and has a very impressive CV. Nana is the National Diversity Award nominee for 2018 and 2019, as well as the Pride of Britain nominee 2019 and the Scope role model. We imagine this to be just a tip of the iceberg for this young man who is clearly on a mission. Nana, with no further ado, we'd like to welcome you to the State of Care podcast. Thank you for joining us. Please tell our listeners a bit about your journey and also what you've experienced over the years. Okay, cool. Hello there. Uh, my name is Nana. Uh, Nana Marfo. Uh, I'm a disability advocate for people with disabilities trying to break into the employment sector and have a stance and actually sustain work. Um, How did I come into this journey? Well, through my own experience of being an employee, not being understood, um, and just trying to find my, my voice and find my feet to really let employers know that just because I may have a breathing or speaking inability, uh, I should be treated fairly and should be given all the basic tools that I need to flourish in a, in a, in a workplace. Um, that didn't quite happen over my 10-year stretch in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided to speak out and found that it wasn't an isolated incident. Um, I found that other people with different forms of disabilities were going through the mishaps of middle management, not quite understanding how to support them, what their disabilities were and how it impacted not only the person with the disability, but the employer. Mm. So employer, employee at loggerheads, and majority of the time, the employee loses out because they end up walking out Mm. and the employer doesn't get reprimanded for treating a person with disability fairly. Mm -hmm. Um, My whole journey stemmed from being born six months premature, um, born with a narrow airway, which embedded me to have a tracheostomy inserted in my neck straight from birth. Mm. Um, so, So in a way, I've had a life where I've had to make a stand from birth. (laughs) Um, It's been a difficult journey, but a journey well fulfilled because now I'm that, that, you know, shining beak for people with disability in terms of trying to get employment and join society as they rightfully should. Yeah. No, definitely. No, definitely. I mean, I must, I must say, I'm very impressed um, hearing your story and you're very inspirational um, in, in what you're describing here. And, and I can imagine a lot, a lot of um, people in your situation with a number of different um, disabilities um, 
possibly you're going through the same thing if not worse and and, and that kind of leads on to kind of um my first question as as employment is at a very low rate at the moment how can society and the government really enable an, an equal footing um for more disabled people within the workplace i think it's um there's people people with disability do want to work you know the statistics or social the social model may look at how people with disabilities struggle and think, oh, this person can't work, or why are we really focusing on them? You know, let's, let's just put them on the personal payment independent payment plan because they're not going to amount to nothing or they can't really be effective as a person with a disability. Now, I, I won't use myself as an example, but I'll use, I'll use like case studies or people that I've worked with because I work yeah. for a local authority. Yeah. And a lot of people are crying to work and it's the employer. The employers don't understand how to build that bonding, lasting relationship mm. with the person with a disability to enable them to pass the first threshold to try and get into employment. Yeah. There's a lot of... Um, people that I've come across who say they've applied for a thousand jobs and soon as they have a face-to-face and the employer sees them, mm. they may have a physical disability, they may have a mental disability, mm. straight away you can see the distance between the employer and the potential employee wow. because they're, they're a bit like, whoa, you've got a disability, how are you going to be productive to us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a financial um, token than to look at, okay, let's help build society and make it a better place and let's take you on so you can be that inspiration to others mm. who don't have the capability to do so but can see that there is hope at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so to me, I mean, even looking at looking at the House of Commons Library uh, archive, mm. here alone, there's seven point six million people of working age, sixteen to sixty-four, are reportedly disabled, mm. and only eighteen percent are working age population. Wow. Well, how do you, how do you, I don't know? Well, how do you feel that we? What could we do to to tackle this? Do you think it's a matter of workshops, um, some sort of education, some sort of training for employ, employers? How can it's, we change those figures? What can we do? It is a matter of of workshop, and it's a matter of employers changing their attitude. Mm. Directors at the top of organisations are all for inclusion. Yeah. However. Middle management and those below, mm-hmm. they don't care. Fair yeah. enough, they've got they've got pressures. You need to hit target. You need to be productive. You, your team need to show us, you know, their their their, their monthly KPIs. We need to be seen to be doing. But without a happy workforce, there is no productivity, mm. you know. And that's why you find like a lot of corporate organisations go through tribunal cases because they're not looking after a problem that could be potentially very, very limited Mm. to enabling that, you know, the workforce and the work goes on. Rather, they'll drag it out and take it to court. So for me, workshops will work, but 
a lot of employers have to sign up to it and it has to be mandatory because when I was working in the corporate sector, disability is on the back foot. Mm. You know, it's like managers, oh, you can turn up if you want. It's not, it's, you know, it's, it's not mandatory. But then when you've got health and safety, when you've got um, various little little courses within the organisation, and some of them, let me be honest, is a waste of time. But they'll turn around and say, oh, you've got to go to that. Mm. But then when it's someone with a disability, it's like, oh, you don't really have to go, it's voluntary. So I feel the government should make it mandatory that every workforce or organization should have mandatory disability awareness training from the head to the middle management to the staff on the ground. Mm, okay. Okay. That's definitely that's just very interesting. Also, um had a had a question on um on supported employment. Could you um tell our listeners a bit about supported employment for those who don't actually know about supported employment? So supportive employment is basically um, a way in which a person with a learning disability or a physical disability uh, can be assisted within the workplace. Now that means physically a support worker being in the workplace, mm-hmm. making sure that the first few months or the first year or two years of that person's career Mm -hmm. runs as smoothly because you can imagine someone with autism, you put them in a corporate world or you put them in a retail and they've never done it before, Mm. everything falls apart Mm. because their thinking capability is totally different from a person who doesn't have autism. Mm. They process things very differently. Mm. So supporting employment is a way of... Uh, being the middleman between the employer and the employee Mm -hmm. and being that extra backup and confidant to that person with a disability so that they don't feel flustered, don't feel stressed and have that person to lean on Mm -hmm. whilst they're going through, you know, a a transition in in the working world. So it's more of assisted one-to-one in-work support to enable that the person sustains the job mm. and possibly passes their um, their probation and has a career. Well, can I say career for life? We don't have career for life these days. But what I can say is a career, you yeah. know, to start yeah. them. No, you're right. I mean, I mean, just kind of uh, to your to to the first point you made regarding um kind of in, employment and employers. I mean, is having a, a having a disability an issue for or for employers thinking about costs and productivity of a person with um, a barrier or a disability? So, um, in effect, how does how do how do you see employers thinking about? Because you did mention um, directors being quite open to it, but then middle management being an issue, but um, when, when I guess you're in an interview environment, um, or when they're about to see you for the first time, how does, um, how do your employers, um, kind of, um, look at, look at the situation with someone with learning disabilities? Um, employers, not all, and minute, are reserved when it comes to dealing with people with a learning disability because they on their side they're thinking okay if we take this person on are they going to be able to do the job and 
it shouldn't be the case. I mean, all employers should put on their employer's hat and think, okay, we've invited you to an interview. You've obviously passed the minimum criteria to be called in. How can we work with you to work with us? Mm. You know, I don't get, I don't get that vibe from a lot of employers, um, mm. especially when I'm doing stuff like employer engagement. Mm. And if it wasn't for my passion and my witty, witty self, mm. you can see straight away if, if that person with a disability was to phone up themselves, they get stonewalled mm. because as soon as they mention the word disability, that employer's mind is running 125 miles per hour. Yeah. Because they're like, disability, um, what's your disability? How's it going to affect us? Are you going to sue us? Yeah. Yeah. All types of things start to whirl in their head. And the quicker they get to understand that we don't take employers to tribunals for the sake of it, there must be a significant reason why we go through those stages. Mm. They're better for them because... Every person in society wants to be a contributor, wants to financially have, you know, uh, a stance. I mean, in uh, the disability world, our financial impact is 250 billion when you look at the purple, purple economy. Mm. So we, we do have a big stance and employers just need to get out the mind frame of being abrasive. Yeah, they need to be open-minded. They need to give things a go, <laughs> and if it doesn't work, mm. it doesn't work. Yeah. But don't don't be hands off straight away just because you see that person and they look different, they sound different, or you're skeptical because it may affect your company insurance. You mm. know, there's numerous sponsorship available. There's access to work. There's in-work support. There's various support mechanisms to enable that person doesn't affect your financial cost. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good point. Um, yeah, moving on that one there, what I did something to kind of go into that is, um, what's your thoughts? So like when a disabled person is hard done by an organization um, and he or she can't actually talk about their concerns to their employers, um, is this a common thing or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's funny you asked that question uh, because I read an article about uh, MPs thinking of, of scrapping an NDA, NDA, which is the um, non-disclosure yeah, uh, agreement. Yeah. Um, I feel it really, it really harms the person with a disability because they've, got, they've probably gone for a treacherous time mm. within their organisation mm-hmm. and they lose their job for whatever reason. Uh, it may be sickness, it may be productivity due to the disability, they're not quite catching up to speed with the job and they're not given that voice to share their story. So you can imagine years of bottling up things or not being able to talk leads to other forms of disability, mental health, for instance. Um, So in my view, I do hope the NDA gets scrapped as some MPs are lobbying for. Um, I do feel it's beneficial for people to speak up because listen, when you speak up, you're a free bird. You can fly. You can do it. Yeah. And people can learn from, people can learn from what you, what you have to say and other organizations can learn from, um, you know, the disclosures that are being made. Um, So 
I can I can see the benefit in that. It's the only way to create change is by speaking up. You you it's got to start somewhere, and your everyone's voice needs to be heard. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because even even in my circumstance, my circumstances, mm. I was in a corporate world, civil mm. servant, and I was put under so much so so much restraints. Mm. You know, an NDA got thrown on me because I spoke out. Mm. about a situation that occurred yeah. and for me i'd had enough you know it, it not everybody is strong-willed as me mm. you know there's people out there who will go home and stick their wrists you know i heard mm. um there was a gentleman that used to work where i used to work many years ago and i don't know what happened he went into our building and threw himself off the building wow. and all because he wasn't allowed to speak and that was a highly avoidable thing right. in, in essence just that, yeah that could have been avoided yeah all it took was yeah. just a sit down basic conversation human being to human being forget the company red tape and just understand the person yeah. but organizations when they want to flip the coin and be uh, professional and to the book there is no room for that person with a disability mm. to be themselves yeah, yeah. you know they're imprisoned by the red tape yeah and, and there's no safe spaces and Ooh. there's no safe spaces yeah. for them yeah yeah that's, no, that's very that's very concerning because that, that gentleman you spoke of who um jumped off uh, the work office building and took his own life you can only yeah. imagine that must have been uh, a long time of, uh, of a build-up really build-up yeah. of pressure and and and, and, sh and stress and then perhaps other mental health issues depression yeah very traumatic experience it must have been you know for him to yeah so um it, it's, it says a lot it says a lot i think a lot of people a lot of individuals who actually have um the ability the chance or um the mic to speak out actually um you know go, go through a, a better, better recovery system it's a lot of build-up of pressure and um yeah cause of a lot of, a lot of problems and yeah yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, even the word the word duty of care, I used to hear that a lot when yeah. I went up corporate world, oh, we have your duty of duty care. Yeah. I think it's words that employers just throw around because you, you don't, because you don't know what that person is going through. You don't know what that person, you know, wakes up in the morning and has to go through. So when that person is telling you they're stressed or that person is telling you they can't come into work, mm -hmm. some employers or some middle management think that certain employers are you know, trying to take the mic or mm. trying to avoid coming in. But my thing is employers, they need to open their ears and listen. Yeah. Because the only way we're going to um, decrease 46.3% of people out of employment who are disabled is by listening, being compassionate, having empathy, and looking at different ways of recruitment. Because the traditional recruitment that will work for you or, you or I won't work for someone with autism. Yeah. Someone with autism may come into a, a working interview and can show you what they can do, but ask them a question and you don't get nothing out of them. Because their concept of uh, taking in information isn't the same, so yeah. a lot of things have to be moved around yeah. for the employment sector. Them, the disability disability employment gap, as it says on the on the House of Lords archive, which I hate, mm. uh, you know, can be decreased. Yeah, 
No, definitely. Definitely. I mean, um, just kind of leading on from that, in, in society, do people with learning disabilities really have enough access to work? Um, uh, I, f- I feel people with learning disabilities are, are just put into a corner and left to rot. I don't mm. think they've got the substantive um, support that they need because they're seen as someone who doesn't comprehend things or takes things in as they should. And for instance, an example I can give, I had a gentleman I used to work with many years ago and he suffered from dyslexia. And he came he came onto the team I was on and clearly little bit of support, he could have done the job. Senior management turn around and goes, oh, he's got dyslexia. Um, How is he going to be beneficial to our team? Mm. So it's like, wow. Mm. Not not even considering a different way of allowing the person to work, Mm. but rather tarnishing them with their disability that has no no fault of their own. Of course, Um, you can't control at all, isn't it? So, um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just in just in summary, then I guess um, you mentioned a few solutions um, regarding uh, kind of um, training with with middle management and and lower lower level staffs. But as a kind of maybe wider wider suggestion or solution to to a number of the key areas, what would be kind of the key things you'd want to change or advocate for to to enable change, Nana? Uh, well, for starters, NDA to be scrapped. Mm. Um, a person with a disability given different forms of uh, ways to apply for jobs. Um, when they are invited for an interview, an employer shouldn't take the dim view that they cannot uh, be a part of their organization because of their disability. Mm. Um, hidden discrimination needs to be eliminated. We all know it's there. The companies turn around and say, we don't discriminate, we're accepting, but there's hidden elements. You know, you, you find they find a professional way to say a person isn't suitable for a job. Mm. But really what they're trying to say is the disability is your problem. Mm. You know, uh, I had a lady or a lady that I'm supporting currently and she volunteered for an organization mm. uh, seven years ago. And can you believe she's still volunteering for them now? Wow. That's, that's abuse. So she's not working for them, in, in effect, still? She's, she's, she's not working for them. They're just using her free time. Right. You know? So, you know, voluntary uh, ways of getting a person into employment need to be scrapped because I feel some employers really do abuse it, especially when the person has a learning disability because the comprehension of understanding is 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 far between between the employer and the potential employee um i think a lot of people with learning disabilities should have support employment support because not saying they can't do stuff by themselves not not saying that at all but i think if they have that bridge between the employer and themselves and a person that can advocate for them it will enable them to be more confident and be able to push themselves to be able to talk because a lot of people in this building have been told over the years oh you're stupid oh you don't know what you're talking about 
oh, I don't quite understand you. And it dents, it dents their confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, after a while, they don't want to speak up because they've been told they're stupid for so long. Yeah, of course, you know, you know goes out the window and um, all of these things, yeah, yeah. Yeah, self-confidence goes out the window and even for them to express themselves, they can't do that because they feel if they do that, you're going to laugh at them or mm-hmm. you're not going to take them serious. There's a lot of people I've, I work with that I've had to, I've had to take what, six or eight months just to get to the point where they can actually speak to me. Yeah. Even trying to ascertain a relationship with someone who has a disability Mm. It's not straightforward as in me and you picking up an application and filling it out. They've got emotional baggage, they've got confidence issues, they've got the social model impacting on how they be, how they should live their lives. Mm. And you've got society saying that a lot of them can't work. So mm. go, go, go and live on PIP. So I think for, for us to increase the employment figures and for employers to really take people with disabilities serious, Things need to change. Recruitment guys need to change. Yeah. Approach on disability itself needs to be looked at in a different aspect. Supporting employment needs to be advertised on daily TV instead of McDonald's adverts. Mm. Yeah. Uh, billboards need to see people with disability in the workplace, yeah. showing that there is a can-do attitude. Yeah. So a lot of visual marketing needs to be done yeah. a lot of physical short stories need to be put on tv and only then can people with disability rise up and be in the place where they should be yeah yeah no that's that sounds very um insightful in terms of a, a progressive way forward i appreciate we do appreciate that man and we do really appreciate your time man, today as well um at this podcast my pleasure yeah well that's for today's episode three um we've been fortunate enough to hear about nana's personal experiences um nana just like to say thank you so much for for coming around and spending time with us um i did want to ask you as well is there any uh is there or if is there anyone else you want to acknowledge who has helped you along your journey uh for i want to uh acknowledge a gentleman called paul mckenzie who is a knife crime advocate uh, in the Tottenham Enfield area. Um, I came into contact with him in 2016. Mm -hmm. He owns an organization called Soapbox Mm -hmm. and he enabled me to project my voice through film. Um, So if it wasn't for him, my voice wouldn't be at where it's at in terms of being able to access the BBC, being able to be on other platforms. Um, his video uh, got about 5,000 views. And from that, you know, as, as small as 5,000 is compared to millions that people's views that people get, it's enabled me to be uh, an ambassador for Scope. It's enabled me to work for the local authority that I work for and doing a job which is in relation to disability. Mm-hmm. And I just want to give him that due respect because he's doing a tremendous job in terms of trying to turn around the youth uh, surrounding knife crime. And he's also branched into other things to enable that everybody, not just the youth, the mm-hmm. old, the disabled, we're all rising at the same time yeah well done well done well done to him as well perhaps we should get him on a 
on the podcast at some time as well. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Lovely. Um, Nana, would you like to let the listeners know where they can also find you, where they can follow you, um, where they can come to you yes. for some advice? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter under Mr. Unique Voice. Uh, that's my handle. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, uh, Nana Marfo. And I'm also on Snap. I don't know what my Snap is. I'm new to Snap. Mm-hmm. Um, but Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is Mr. Unique Voice. Fantastic, fantastic. And is that, is that in capitals or any underscores or anything at all? Uh, Mr. Underscore Unique underscore voice yeah brilliant very important Uh, and it comes under the organization unique abilities limited which means the story behind that is i feel everyone's unique we are not disabled society disables us by our condition Mm. but i feel everyone's unique in their own way and even for those who feel they don't have a disability Everybody has a disability, but we just don't know what it is. Fantastic. Fantastic, Nana. Yeah. Well, to our listeners, if you have any questions on today's show or you'd like to participate in future shows, um, you can find us at website www.totalcareunit.com. Uh, alternatively, you can email us at info at totalcareunit.com. And um, we're also on Twitter, just like Nana, at twitter.com forward slash state underscore of underscore care. Um, and this is Afro Leonard. Until next time, goodbye. Okay, so um, that's that's that cut. Oh, he's just gone. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>